Scott for Aquarius Home Services. Between the heat waves and poor air quality, have you noticed how much time we're spending indoors this summer? It can make you wonder about your home's air quality. Good news! Aquarius is providing a free indoor air purification system with the purchase of a new AC and furnace system. Remove and reduce allergens, mold, and even viruses. Amazing indoor air is just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. We will start with TJ Hawkinson's new contract and what it means. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, part of TalkNorth.com. Brandon Morton is our producer. Jeff Diamond, former Vikings general manager, is star of the show. He's gonna, He's been so good about predicting deals, breaking down deals. Today we're going to get into TJ Hawkinson's deal. We're sponsored by White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Reminder, if you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. You can also always go to talknorth.com, find other shows, including the Viking Update show, uh, and subscribe to the ones you like. And you can always find the archives of shows that you want to go back and check out. Roy Smalley and Lowell Neal are always great about telling stories on Chin Music, our baseball show. You might be interested in that as we head toward the postseason for the Twins. So, Jeff, we've been saying that we thought that the, the Justin Jefferson deal will get done uh, probably before opening day. We weren't sure exactly how the Hawkinson thing was going to play out. It sounds now like that the uh, ear infection and the lower back strain were kind of his version of holding in and just making sure he had a deal before he practiced. Now he gets signed with plenty of time to get ready for week one, and he signs for a record annual average value. He is going to get paid a lot more than Travis Kelsey. Uh, Just wrap that whole thing up for us. What does this mean to you? Well, I think, first of all, it means that that ear infection certainly got cured by He feels much better now. $68.5 $68.5 million over, over the next four years after this year. And yeah, it, it is kind of when you, when you hear these versions of, Oh, I'm not, I'm not holding in. I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. I know we'll get the deal done, blah, blah, blah. But, but yeah, I think it's pretty obvious what, what was going on here. And so I, I'm a little surprised, Jim, honestly, by, by the extent of this deal in terms of, I think I predicted to you it would be $60 million over four years on the extension. It turns out to be 68.5, but that includes apparently $2.5 million of, of, of potential in sound. So it sounds like it's $66 million. So I guess I undersold TJ by about 10% or so. But I think what, what it also says is that it puts him right in the upper echelon of tight ends Darren Waller, his deal average per year is, is 17. This is going to be about 16, 16 and a half in, in new money. But when you when you factor in the $9.3 million that he's going to make this year in the final year of his rookie contract, it's really about whatever 76 something a year, over, over 76 million over five years. So it's around 15 million a year, which is where George Kittle is a little over Travis Kelsey, who's who's at fourteen point three per year, and I'm sure Travis is knocking on the door of Chiefs GM Brad Veach and saying, "Hey, did you see the Hawk?" And he Hawkinson is definitely one of the elite 
elite tight ends in the NFL, Pro Bowl tight end. And so I think it's a good move on the Vikings' part to get him locked in. And I think this sets them up now with a deal that I, I would anticipate salary cap-wise lowers TJ's cap number from $9.3 million, probably down significantly towards something in the range of whatever, maybe $5 million. So they might pick up about $4 million bucks that they can put towards Justin Jefferson's deal. So that could pay off in that regard. We all kind of assumed that Jefferson would get done first, but maybe this was part of the strategy to get Hawkinson done and then use these cap savings towards Jefferson's deal. So I think it's a good move for the team. It's a, it's a, it's a very good deal for Hawkinson. And I think it's a good sign for the tight ends who have been undervalued contract-wise that Hawkinson got this kind of deal, which I think then sets up other guys like Kelsey, like Kittle, and uh, perhaps other people down the road. Pitts down in Atlanta is a is going to be a premier tight end, and and those guys will probably head closer to that twenty million dollar threshold. We'll get in, more into the Vikings' philosophy on contracts, how Hawkinson fits in this offense without Dalvin Cook and with Jordan Addison involved. We just wanted to get the news first today. Now we're going to move on to the rest of the Vikings roster and Vikings cuts. All right, let's get to cuts, the roster, and the rest of the league, including Aaron Rodgers and Jonathan Taylor. Again, Jeff is the former Vikings general manager, former president of the Tennessee Titans, now working uh, with the sports agency with in the media and doing this podcast, which we're very lucky to have them at talknorth.com. Best way to listen to this show is to subscribe at your favorite podcast app. You can always find the show and the archives at talknorth.com. Subscribing is free. It's the easiest way to listen. You also might be interested in the Viking Update show, our many hockey shows, the Chin Music Baseball show, John Krasinski on basketball, Mike Grimm on the Gophers, and we appreciate you listening. This show is sponsored by White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com, and as always, produced by our longtime uh, producer, Brandon Morton. So what stood out to you about the cuts and and the subsequent moves after the cuts? Yeah, I think that the... There were a couple surprises to me that when, when you looked at the cuts and, and I, I was a little surprised that they didn't keep Luigi Villain, for example, on, on the 53-player limit. I thought he brought, brought a little juice to the pass rush that, that they're going to need. And obviously, Daniil Hunter and Marcus Davenport are their main edge rushers. And we know that, that Brian Flores is going to be sending players from everywhere on blitzes. But Valane was a guy who I thought had a really good camp, and, and, he, was, and he was doing it against a lot of number twos and even number ones in some of the joint practices. So now he did land on the practice squad, and they can certainly bring him up at any time. But that was a little bit of a surprise. Joan Williams, a corner, veteran corner that the Vikings had signed, uh, had been at New England early in his career. And he kind of lost out when they kept Najee Thompson, who was their special teams ace now that Chris Boyd's down in Arizona. And so Joan Williams lost out. I think the unfortunate thing for him is I think he's a better player than Andrew Booth. But as we know, and as I know, GMs and coaches are very reluctant to give up on high draft picks that early in their career. And Andrew Booth Jr. and a second-round pick last year. I have not been impressed with him in his two years here. He's been hurt a lot. 
has been beat a lot in camp, had made a few good plays in camp too. I thought he made a little bit of positive steps the last couple of weeks, which was probably what saved his, his roster spot. But I, I thought that Joan Williams was the better player and, uh, I, I, he, he has landed on the practice squad, I believe. And so I think that's, I think they'll keep an eye on that situation. The, the other things that kind of struck me were, and, and this is not unusual when, when they keep all the draft choices, except Dwayne McBride, the running back who was let go and then re-signed to the practice squad. So the other draft choices all make it. And I, I thought Jay Ward had an excellent game against the Cardinals in that last preseason game, a couple, a couple of pass breakups, a, a couple of, uh, he had a sack, a forced fumble, and he looks like a player who could really be impactful, especially on special teams this first year. He's just kind of stuck in a situation at safety where, where they've got so many guys and they, they did keep six safeties. So, probably a little bit of a mild surprise to keep six safeties a little unusual and to keep four tight ends. That's a little unusual, but I think that's where they judged that they had strength in the roster. So they wanted to keep those guys. And a lot of those guys can be good special teams players too. But I think it also tells us that they're going to use a lot of two and three tight end formations on offense, along with obviously the three wide receiver look, that's going to be probably their main formation and they're going to have cj ham in the lineup a lot so i i think that that o'connell's gonna be very diverse in his offense this year as he was last year to a certain extent and but i think certainly going into the opener against tampa bay the three wide receiver look will be will be the predominant formation with obviously justin jefferson kj osborne and jordan addison the top three guys Jalen Rager was an interesting situation. He initially made it through on the 53. Then he was released when they needed more depth at running back and and signed Miles Gaskin, who was let go by the Dolphins. He's a a veteran guy with 17 career starts, over 2,000 combined yards. I thought that was a good pickup. They needed it because Wangu ends up on IR with, we don't know what that injury is, but guessing it's probably a hamstring or a calf type injury for him. And he's out at least four weeks. So they'll have someone else doing kickoff returns initially, uh, which could be Brandon Powell, who's going to be the punt returner. And Powell makes it over, over Rager, which I expected to happen. O'Connell had, had Powell at the Rams and a, a good fifth receiver, but realistically he's a better punt returner than Rager. And I think that's where Rager lost out. So yeah, I think a lot of interesting things in in the cuts, but overall not too surprising, except as I said with Valaine and, and Tristan Jackson is a guy who really had a good camp and you feel bad for guys who have a great training camp like Jackson did. And he just can't crack that group when there's so many good receivers on the roster. So we'll see again, Depth is important, and having those guys on the practice squad is helpful. But I, I think those are some of the things that did jumped out at me on on the final cuts. I also think it's really interesting that a team that wants to play a lot of three receiver sets will probably play four receivers in certain situations, keeps four tight ends. 
Yeah, and as we said, I think that's where they're judging maybe Nick Muse is the fourth tight end, seventh-round pick last year, that he can help on special teams. He made a lot of plays in preseason, was one of their leading receivers, and so he, he's a guy that, that they think has promise, and so so they kept him. And But I originally thought Johnny Munt might be in trouble, but he had a really good camp and made a lot of plays and is that veteran guy for that third tight end position. So a little bit surprising as we look ahead to, to the regular season, you, you still got to say the cornerbacks have to be a question mark on this football team. Now I I'm impressed with Byron Murphy jr. I think he could be a better player than Patrick Peterson was last year. Peterson got a lot of buzz because he made a lot of big plays, made those two interceptions against Buffalo, the one that sealed the game in overtime but Peterson also got beat enough and got beat in the playoffs for touchdowns by, by some not great receivers by the Giants. And I look at Murphy, if he can stay healthy, and he had that back injury last year, he's a guy that, that really looked good out there in camp. He was locked in with, Jeff, with Jefferson a lot on one-on-ones in practice, and I thought he, he did okay. And in the joint practices, especially against his former team, looked really good. The, the question marks are going to be, can a Caleb Evans hold up? I think a Caleb's a good player as that second outside corner. I like a Caleb Evans, but can he stay healthy? He had the concussion issues last year. If he, go, if he goes down, then are they going to have to go to Booth? And can Booth stay healthy? And can he make plays? Can he play with confidence? The third corner looks like it's going to be the rookie Makai Blackman, who I thought looked good in camp, but he got nicked occasionally too. So there's a lot of uncertainty at that corner spot. And I think that's also why they kept so many safeties. I think that Flores wants to use a lot of three safety look. And when they've got pretty a pretty talented group at safety with Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, Josh Metellus is a guy who, has been an under-the-radar player during his, his time here as a really good special teamer, but he's a guy that they like in the mix at safety. Lewis Seen, I don't know, Jim. We'll see about him. He had some up-and-down moments in camp, had made some really good plays in the Cardinal game, then all of a sudden he gives up, a, or in the Titan game, all of a sudden he gives up a, a long touchdown run where he missed the tackle. I like Jay Ward, as I mentioned before as a guy for the future. So so those safeties, there'll be a lot of three safety look too, I think, that we're going to see this year. Yes, I agree. That's And that's going to be fascinating to see how Flores – I mean, that's going to be one of the major storylines all year is how does Flores change their defense? How does he use his available talent? Can he make people better? Can he scheme things up? Can he confuse opposing offenses? Uh, that, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, let's get into some around-the-league news and a little more Viking roster breakdown. First, though, let's thank our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore. Buick GMC <coughs> with my longtime friend, owner Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell, their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume, Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection, and their super-friendly premium team. Check out that great website, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com, and see the summer sales event. $2,250 total savings and 1.9% APR on 2023 Buick Encore GXs. 
$1,000 dealer discount, $750 rebate, and 2.49% APR on 2023 Buick Envisions, $1,500 dealer discount, and $3,250 trade assistance and bonus cash with 0.9% APR on 2023 GMC Sierra Crew Cab 1500s, plus no monthly payments until 2024 on some of these great vehicles. The White Bear White Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. This is the only show in town where you have the former general manager of the Vikings doing a weekly show breaking down the roster and the games. If you'd like to advertise with Jeff Diamond's show or with TalkNorth.com, send me an email, jsuhan at starttribune.com, and I'll get you to our, our salespeople. Uh, this is a great show to latch on to at this moment. Uh, what do you think is going on with Jonathan Taylor? Uh, is I mean, it feels like this is more complicated than just a simple uh, contract negotiation, or is it, or is it simply a contract negotiation? Yeah, I think that again, the whole running back market has been devalued, and he's trying to fight the battle that Saquon Barkley tried to fight, that Dalvin Cook tried to fight, and on and on. It just seems very difficult for running backs to get paid in this league, and it's a little bit surprising to me, honestly. And I guess that's partially because a lot of my time in, in my GM and, and team president years were with dominant running backs, players like Robert Smith, Eddie George in Tennessee, and and those guys got paid <laughs> at very close to where the top wide receivers are. Then in the last ten years, it's just the spread has gotten enormous. And we know Christian McCaffrey's the top paid running back in the league at 16 million a year, but he's also a guy who catches 90 or 100 balls a year. So he's such a huge part of the passing game. But even even backs that that have that versatility are having a hard time getting paid. So Jonathan Taylor is is, is a guy who led the league in rushing two years ago, but he had injury issues last year. And yeah, it's just really tough and kind of an emotional press conference for their their GM yesterday talk about how how awful it is for all parties concerned, but they're playing hardball with Jonathan Taylor and making it difficult. And he's also now landed on the on the physically unable to perform list, which is a convenient way to to kind of buy another four weeks to try to figure this out. But we'll see. I, I think what I would advise Jonathan is just get that next year of of credit towards your your uh, pension, your free agency, and just play out the deal and, and see what happens after that. Now, the, then the Colts, of course, hold the franchise tag on him. So it's just really difficult and and a problem for, for all sides. And it looks like it's going to continue that way. Barkley did a one-year deal, and he'll probably be in the same boat again next year. Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas at the Raiders just came to terms on a, a one-year deal with – at the franchise tag of $10.9 million plus some incentives to get to $12 million. basically did the same deal that Barkley did. It's just really tough for running backs, and Jonathan Taylor's trying to fight the battle, but it's an uphill battle for him. 
as is so often the case, you were right on what Trey Lance would bring in compensation. You said a fourth round pick. I think you said a conditional fourth round pick, which is what I would have expected. The Cowboys get Trey Lance for a fourth round pick. Are you surprised that it was that that was the price? Are you surprised that the Cowboys picked him up? Are you surprised that the Vikings didn't go after him, or at least or go after him harder if they did go after him? Yeah, I, I was surprised the Vikings didn't go after him harder. I think they missed an opportunity here to bring, in a, to bring in a young quarterback with, with a guy that 23 years old was a top five pick, and maybe, maybe that was too high for him, but still first-round talent. And so you, you just have to to wonder what, what the Vikings were thinking to not offer a fourth-rounder with an upgrade to a third if he became a starter upgraded even to a second if he became a playoff quarterback and especially with Kirk Cousins situations last year under contract. Jaron Hall is a guy I thought he had an up and down training camp fifth round pick. I'm not sold on him being the heir apparent to Cousins and and Nick Mullins is is a good number two. He's got whatever 17 career starts. He's a a guy you like as your second quarterback but he's he's not going to be a guy that's necessarily is going to be a, a future starter in place of Cousins. So if Jaron Hall's the guy that they're thinking might be that guy, I don't know about that. I, we're going to have to see a lot more. And the problem, Jim, is how do you develop a young quarterback now during the season when you got to get your starter ready for the games? You're, basically, your backup quarterback is running the scout team and, and doing some stuff with the main guys. And so your third quarterback, which they didn't even carry last year, but they're carrying him this year because you can on the active roster with the rule change. So how, how does Jaron Hall get better before next year, before next March when they have to make a decision on Cousins? It, it's, it's a problem. And I think that I would have liked to have seen them brought, bring Lance in. I would have, I would have made a run at, at Trey Lance. He's a, he's from he's a, from Marshall, Minnesota. It just seemed like such a natural fit with Cousins' situation, but maybe they just didn't want to rock the boat with Kirk. And but hey, Kirk Cousins has been around the block, and he he certainly wouldn't have been bothered too much by that. And if he would have, tough, you know, do, he's still going to play as well as he can play. It's not like it was going to affect his play. So I, I agree with everything you said. I think you're right on, and I think the Vikings could end up regretting this. And here's my thing, Jeff. Even if Trey Lance doesn't pan out, it was it still to me is worth the gamble of a mid round pick for a potential franchise quarterback. Exactly, and all you, you have to pay him nine hundred forty thousand dollars this year, and next year you you would have to pick up a five point whatever five point four million dollar guarantee. But even that is not terrible if he's your second quarterback next year. If they decide to keep Cousins, and or if if they give the job to Lance. You've got a cheap starting quarterback, which is what Quasi Adolfo Menza has kind of intimated that he'd really like to have that cheap rookie contract for a quarterback that you can then build the rest of the team around. So I think they should have made a run at Trey Lance. I think they could have got him. Agreed. Uh, What is your sense of – the New York Jets at this point. And I, I hesitate to talk about Aaron Rodgers because he's so over overplayed by the national media and ESPN's going nuts on him every day and he has the Packer connection. But I am just intrigued in your view of whether that whole thing can work immediately the way so many people think it will. I think it's 
very iffy. And I think the big problem for the Jets is the offensive line. They have their two starting guards hurt in preseason. Now they are back. Can they stay healthy? Dwayne Brown, their starting left tackle, is 38 years old. And can he stay healthy? And and then uh, Bexton, their first-round pick uh, from a couple of years ago, who, who was injured for several years, and now he's the starting right tackle. I think there's a lot of question marks on that offensive line. Now, we know that Rodgers has probably the quickest release in the league, but will he be able to get the ball downfield to Garrett Wilson and, and some of their other receivers? I, I think it's going to be, to me, the Jets are the, are the prime candidate. I think we've talked about this before. I think they're the prime candidate to be <clears throat> the team that <clears throat> does not reach expectations this year. And I will be surprised if the New York Jets beat out the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins in their own division, which is tough enough. <clears throat> then you add that the AFC is a very difficult conference to make the playoffs. So I think there's question marks abounding about that Jets offense, but their defense is pretty good. We know that they were, I think, top five last year. So that could help carry them through as the offense gets things under control. And what do you think of Dalvin Cook's role and what's, what are the proper expectations for him in that offense at this point in his career? I think that Dalvin will, will be a good player as a, as a rotational back with Brees Hall at the Jets and, and Dalvin Brees Hall is coming off that ACL, but he was, he was off to a great start last year. Dalvin has, has a lot more mileage on him at this stage, even though he's still only 28 years old, but we know his injury history also. So I, I think he'll play well for the Jets, but he still has to learn a new offense in short order and get ready for the season. They've got a very difficult opener with the Bills on, on Monday night, which will be a fun game to watch coming up on, on September 11th after the opening weekend, uh, opening Sunday games, including the Vikings and the Bucks. I think Dalvin will have a good year. I don't think it's going to be a 1,000-yard year. I think he'll be probably an eight 900-yard back and catch some balls. But I think eventually Brees Hall is going to surpass him as the main guy in that Jets offense if he can stay healthy. Let's get a final thought from Jeff. Again, next week we'll do our season preview and make our predictions that are certain to be wrong but are always entertaining. Uh, once again, this is TalkNorth.com. If you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Go to TalkNorth.com. You can find the Viking Update show there, all our other sports, outdoor, and variety content. Uh, Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast is an essential listen this time of year with PJ Flex team starting up. Thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton, and we do appreciate you listening thank you jeff send us out with a final thought well i think my final thought is a couple of them i think looking at the vikings and and the tampa bay buccaneers i think a lot of people and i know we're going to talk more about this game next week but a lot of people are are just kind of writing that in the wind calm immediately because the bucks were eight and nine last year they did win their lousy nfc south last year and then tom brady's gone so so they've got Baker Mayfield, a quarterback, but they do have a top 10 defense. It's going to be a big challenge for the Vikings offense uh, next week. So I think it's going to be a really interesting opener, which which will be 
I think something to look forward to, but don't count that as an automatic W, people, because it's not going to be an easy game, I don't think. <clears throat> and then the the other inter- interesting thing, I as I kind of looked at the the cuts around the league, <clears throat> excuse me, the the New England Patriots cut cut uh, Bailey's after their number two quarterback took most of the reps in in preseason games and had four starts last year with two wins um, or actually started only two games, played in four games, had, had two starts and two wins, completed 71% of his passes and he gets cut. Uh, and then he got re-signed to the practice squad. But for 24 hours, the Patriots only had one quarterback on the roster, Mac Jones, which was very unusual and surprising. So I don't know what Bill Belichick has up his sleeve, but, but they still only have, I think, one quarterback on the active roster. And so perhaps Zapp's going to be brought back to the active roster this week. Perhaps they wanted to uh, cut Zapp so they could carry a player through and then put him on IR. But that quarterback situation in New England, very surprising that they cut Zapp, who was their fourth-round pick last year. Good stuff, Jeff. Uh, it's going to be a fun season. Uh, thanks to everyone who listens. Thanks to Brandon again. We'll talk to you next week.